Psalm 143 and verse 1, when you've got it, say amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness, answer me. And in thy righteousness. Go ahead and slap your neighbor and tell him he's faithful. And enter not into judgment with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Let me just help you today. You ain't ever going to get good enough to get to God. You're never going to reach a place where your goodness and your righteousness is sufficient in and of itself to usher you into a place of standing where God owes you something. God doesn't owe me anything. I don't live this way to try to hold God over a barrel. I don't try to separate from this world. But because he did what he did for me, I want to live in a way that is pleasing to him. It says in verse 3, the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, my heart Within me is desolate. You know, if you take your eyes off of God and put them on your problems, it will not be long until your spirit is overwhelmed and your heart is desolate. You, you focus, you overfocus on the enemy and you're going to lose perspective of the size of your God. But David says, or the psalmist says in verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of of thy hands. You see, when you'll take your mind off of the situation and the problem that you're facing, and you'll put them on to the greatness of God, something will begin to change in your heart. And here's how it finishes. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. With your attention for the next few moments, I want to Preach this word today. Don't forget to stretch. All the young kids are laughing because they've never had to stretch a day in their life. All the adults just nodded because that's sage wisdom. Don't forget to stretch. Why don't you set your Bibles aside? Let's lift our hands in the air. And one more time, why don't you let your voice out with your hands? Let's invite the presence of the Lord into this place. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I speak it again by faith. It is no accident or coincidence that anybody is in this house today. Most of all, Lord, I give thanks and I give praise for the fact that you are in this house today. I refuse to place limits on your ability and your desire to work in this house. I invite you, Lord, to step in, do whatever it is you want to do. Let your word have free reign and free course in this place. I bind every spirit of intimidation and fear. I loose the working of miracles, the working of deliverance in this house today. Every chain of bondage is broken in the name of Jesus. Let's clap our hands to the Lord with all of our might. Don't forget to stretch. To stretch is to be made or be capable of being made longer or wider without tearing or breaking. The act of stretching is to straighten or extend one's body or part of one's body to its full length. 
typically so as to tighten one's muscles or in order to reach something. There is just something about a good stretch. Your alarm clock goes off at 515 because you're wanting to get prayer in before you go to work. You've been in bed all night. You sit up on the edge of the bed. And what's the first thing you do? You stretch. And sometimes the stretch feels so amazing that you just have to shout. Anybody got any shout stretchers in your family? It, you're stretching. Those muscles are moving for the first time in hours. And all of a sudden, a sound just has to come out while you're stretching. Whoever the guy or gal or whomever company, whatever, that mainstream stretchy fabric into jeans and slacks, I owe them a great big thank you. I'm wearing a stretchy suit right now. It's amazing. If you've wondered how I've contorted myself in worship and praise, that's it. It's a stretchy shirt, too. It's incredible. We were playing volleyball not long ago when we were in West Fargo with the Millers, with the youth group. And I went up to hit the ball in front of the net. And in my memory, in my memory, I just dominated. It was this amazing spike. Hit the person in front of me, bloody nose. You know, they're on the ground and weeping. That probably didn't happen. But when I hit the ground, I hit some sand, and one of my feet just went sideways. And I knew in a moment, I knew in a moment, let's just say the pants did not have stretch technology. And so I quickly ran to my car, I got in my car, and I got out. My pants had forgotten to stretch. We pulled into the garage last night at 11 after a three and a half hour leg in the car. You want to know the first thing I did when I got out of the car? I stretched. I got out of the car. The kids are still sleeping. We've got our sound machines on. We're going to try to transfer them into bed. But before I do anything else, I've been sitting still for three and a half hours. I've been in one place. So I got to stretch. My hip's a little tight. It's still a little tight. It hurts. Thank you very much for asking. But I, I, I was able to get out of the car, stretch my back, stretch my legs, and finish what I needed to finish. Because the longer you've been where you are, the more necessary a good stretch becomes. You see, a stretch moves us as we come out of a place of comfort. A stretch will allow us to endure an expansion without tearing or breaking. The ability and willingness to stretch will allow you to expand your reach into a new dimension. You've got that top shelf in your kitchen. I don't know why, but my wife finally moved the oatmeal off of the top of the top cupboard. I was the only person in the house that could reach the oatmeal. Now, I don't eat oatmeal, and so every time she wanted to eat oatmeal, she had to ask me to stretch and reach up to grab the oatmeal. But there you are. You're wanting that delicious bowl of fresh oatmeal with some nice dried fruit in it, maybe some nuts. But here you are up on your tiptoes. Your back is ramrod straight, and you're just reaching perhaps for those treats that you hid from the kids. Anybody got chocolate stuck up high in your house that the kids can't get to? I got one adult and one kid raising their hand. I don't feel that I have very long to preach today. In fact, I will not keep you very long. So let's, we're going to go ahead and cut right to the point. 
I, I feel like I've come with a word from the Lord to this church and to individuals in this church. Don't forget to stretch. Do not misinterpret me today. I am beyond thankful for the breakthrough that we've experienced. I'm beyond thankful for the open heaven that has been positioned and parked over water. If you've been here any length of time, you would know that it was not always so. There were years uh, and, and long periods of time where it felt like the heavens were brass. But right now, uh, it's almost as if every time the church comes together to worship, there's a heavenly choir of angels that's singing with us. Uh, I'm thankful for the flow uh, of the goodness of God in this place. I'm thankful for the dynamic worship. I'm thankful that this church is walking in dominion and authority in this region. I'm thankful uh, for the financial blessings and the miracles that God uh, has been doing all over this place. Uh, But I'm incredibly encouraged and challenged uh, in my spirit. Uh, I'm incredibly challenged and stirred uh, to go to a new level because the only limitation uh, on how much of God we can have uh, is you and I. So I come here today to tell you and to tell this church, uh, don't forget to stretch. Uh, We've been in a comfortable season and a comfortable place, uh, and everything seems to be going right. uh, But I refuse to sit back, relax, uh, and just enjoy where we're at. uh, When there's an even greater blessing out there for us, uh, I want to tell somebody today, uh, it is time for you to stretch toward God uh, like never before. It is time for you you uh, to arise up out of your place of comfort uh, and arise up out of your place of stability uh, and reach uh, towards the heavens uh, like never before. Why? Why, oh why, would we be satisfied when there's so much more available? Again, uh, I'm thankful for everything that we've got. uh, And I've got one hand holding on to thankfulness very tightly. uh, But I can see it uh, just in the distance right in front of this church. uh, And I can see it in the distance right in front of your life. uh, There's another blessing from the Lord. uh, And somebody's just going to have to step out of comfort uh, and begin to reach for the advancement in the kingdom today. In Exodus... The children of Israel, God has moved in a mighty way for them. The ten plagues have judged the Egyptians. And that tenth plague comes and there's a killing of all the firstborn. There is a death angel that passes through the land. When he sees the blood, he passes over. And it's a type and shadow of repentance which was to come. And finally, they are thrust out of the land of Egypt and God begins to lead them by the pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And God leads them to a place where they are hemmed in on both sides with a mountain on either side and a sea in front of them and the the army of Pharaoh pursuing them from behind. And the people begin to cry unto Moses. Their victory was turned into a seeming tragedy very quickly when they began to take their eye off of their God and put it on their problem. And they begin to cry unto Moses. And Moses says in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13, he tells the people, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you. The Egyptians you've seen today, you will see them no more forever. 
That's good. That's a leader speaking faith. And I declare the same word over this place today. Uh, If you want deliverance today, the enemy that was chasing you into the church, you can see them no more. Uh, If you'll go down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, uh, that enemy cannot follow you back out of this place. But he says in verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord says unto Moses, why are you crying unto me? Preacher, quit, quit crying to me. He tells him it's time for you to act. So he says, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. I want to tell somebody today, it's time for you to stop crying about your problem. I don't, I don't want to sound harsh or rude or mean. I'm sorry that you're going through what you're going through. I'm sorry that you're facing what you're facing. But it's time to stand up on your feet. It's time to dry your tears. And it's time to go forward. It's time to take one giant step out uh, into the unknown. Uh, It's time to stretch yourself uh, out of your problem and in uh, to a dimension of faith uh, where God uh, will begin to move on your behalf. Moses was required to stretch before God uh, would stretch out his hand and do the supernatural. And in Exodus chapter 14, we see uh, as that rod comes out, a great wind begins to blow. God parts it just like the part down these chairs and the children of Israel walk through on dry ground. At the end of it all, in verse 26, the Lord uh, speaks to Moses again. He says, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come upon the Egyptians and upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. Uh, When you begin to stretch out your hands toward God uh, in faith, uh, and you just begin to reach to the solution to your problem and start focusing on your problem, then God is going to cover your problem and it's never going to follow you again. See, I don't want to just be happy to get over my obstacle for a day. I don't want to be happy to feel God in the house for a day, but then it's there on Monday. No, no, I've come to tell somebody today, uh, if you will stretch one more time uh, towards God, you can see that enemy destroyed. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus enters into the synagogue and there was a man there which had a withered hand. Now, if he's anything like me, And my, this is not an equal comparison, so please don't giggle. I've got a stub finger, if you've never noticed. And I spent much of my childhood very self-conscious about it. Now, it's not as noticeable as a withered hand and a withered arm, but it's noticeable. And I look like a freak because I've had the fingernail removed several times, and I've just apparently got the world's strongest fingernails. It keeps growing. So bless God, here we are. I've learned how, and I just did it unconsciously right there to hide my finger. 
I've learned how to just position it so that nobody can see it. And I would wager that as this man with the withered hand walked into the synagogue, this is something he is self-conscious about. And so he's got it back within the robes. It's not something he's waving. He's not greeting his neighbor with his withered hand like, hey, everybody, how's it going? This is something inside of himself that he's learned to hide, to keep back in the folds of his robe. He he don't want anybody to see it. Under Jewish law and Jewish custom, he would not probably have been allowed to enter into the temple. But thankfully, he was allowed to go in to the synagogue. Now, everybody there knew about it. And they were watching Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day in verse 2 so that they could accuse him. And so Jesus says to the man with the withered hand, stand forth. Be similar to me saying, Cole, stand up. Now, the man with the withered hand is now standing in front of the entire auditorium. And everybody is getting nervous right now that I might call them. Brother Miller, would you stand up? Ooh, it's getting real. And he looks at the crowd. You guys can be seated. Thank you. He looks at the crowd and he says, Is it lawful to do a good deed on the Sabbath day or to do evil or to save life or to kill? And the crowd holds their peace. They they don't want to say anything back. And look at the description of Jesus in this next verse. He says, it says that he looked on them round about with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. God forbid That the presence of God would ever step into the Jesus church and want to move in this place. But we're so stuck in our ways and we're so stuck even in our tradition and in our pattern and in our way of doing things. And God wants to move and nobody wants to step out and to stretch out. And God looks across the crowd with anger at the hardness of their hearts. And now he says to the man, stretch forth thy hand. And when he had stretched it out, his hand was restored as whole as the other. Come on, there's somebody in this place today. There's a part of yourself that you felt is a handicap. There's a part of yourself that you have kept hidden carefully under your robes. There's a part of yourself that you don't want anybody else to see or to address or even to know about. You hear the preacher talking that God wants to do a miracle, but you're a little too afraid to step up and to step out. But I'm telling you in this place today, if you'll just arise to your feet and you'll do what the preacher's talking about. Take that thing that you're embarrassed about. Take that thing that's called you agony and it's caused you distress. And when the word of God goes forth, just stretch it out unto God and God is going to do a miracle in your life. Come on, you've been battling depression. You've been battling fear. You've been battling addiction. You've been battling a low self-worth. You've been fighting a battle in your mind about your value and your importance to the kingdom of God. I'm here to tell you today, in just the next couple of moments, there's an invitation that's going to come for this altar to be open. And you ought to be the first one stepping out. You ought to be the one grabbing whatever problem it is and holding it up to God saying, God, uh, I'm embarrassed of it, but I know that you can work in it. Uh, I'm ashamed of it, Lord, uh, but I know that you can deliver. 
Let's lift our hands in this place right now. Uh, I'm almost done in this house already. God uh, wants to do a quick work in this place today. Uh, Go ahead and lift your voice with your hands. Uh, Go ahead and lift your voice with your hands. Uh, Come on, Jesus Church. We're going to stretch today. Uh, We're going to stretch today. Uh, We're going to reach into a new dimension today by faith. Uh, Go ahead and reach. Uh, Go ahead and reach a little further in prayer than you've reached before. Uh, Go ahead and reach a little further in worship than you've reached before. Uh, We're reaching for him tonight. Uh, If I... The media team would throw that picture up on the screen. I gave him a picture. That's my son. He's handsome. But that's that's our dog Cooper. I wanted to name him Dwayne, but out of mercy to my wife, I named him. Yeah, we would have had Dwayne and Rocco. It was amazing. There's he, Cooper's eleven weeks old. He's, uh, he's turning into an incredible puppy. The point is not that I have a puppy. It's not to inform everybody. <clears throat> We've got another dog named Rocco. I don't have a picture of him up there. You've seen pictures of him before. He's 12 and a half. He's a little bit chunky. He is living on borrowed time. <clears throat> There's a difference when I come home between the response of Cooper and Rocco. We have reached the point several years ago Where Rocco, who lays on the ottoman in front of the couch while we're gone, sleeps. When we come home, he might lift his head and look at us as if to say, well, that's who is disturbing my nap. But when I come home and I go downstairs and I open the kennel to let Cooper out, that 11-week-old dog just explodes with energy and excitement. Why? The master just came home. And he's only about this big. He weighs eight and a half pounds. But that dog goes through incredible efforts to stretch himself to get to my hand. He's learned that in my hand, there are treats, there are food, there's petting, there's praise. There's fun stuff associated with getting to the master. Now, when I come home from work and my family's home and both of the dogs are running around, I'm greeted by one dog running to me at the door and jumping at me and wanting to get to me. And I'm greeted by the other dog going, oh, you're home. <clears throat> now, I love both dogs as much as you can love a dog. If, that's, if you're not a dog person, you don't understand that. All right? But you, you develop this bond with your pets. Americans are weird in this way, okay? I'll, I'll feed both dogs because they're my responsibility. I'm the owner. That's what I do. I accepted that bond. I'll take both dogs to the vet when they're sick. I'll care for them. I'm going to give them a safe place to live and to sleep. But which one do you think I'm more excited to greet when I get home? I'm excited to greet the dog that's excited to see me. And I'm telling you, this little, like, 8-inch runt dog 
has the ability to extend his neck like 19 inches long to try to see what's in my hand. He has learned how to stretch himself up. He is just shy of putting his face up on my daughter's high chair to see what food she's eating for supper. He's learned how to stretch himself. And because he's learned how to stretch himself out of a place of comfort, he's the first one that gets attention from the master when the master walks into the house. God forbid that we sit on a church pew for so long and we just become professional, calloused, and cold so that when the master steps into the Jesus church, we just lift up our head like, oh, yeah, you're supposed to be here. The very word praise is from the Hebrew halal and contained within its, its realm of meaning, contained within the realm of meaning is to act clamorously foolish in praise towards God. Also in the realm of meaning is it's, it's the mental picture you can draw from it is to, to, to picture yourself as a dog licking the master's hand. Who do you think God is going to be more excited to greet when he steps into this house? The one that's sitting back like this saying, oh, well, it's another Sunday. Or the one that has purposed in their heart and in their mind, I'm going to go after God with everything that I've got. Because I know in his hand is my necessary bread. I know in his hand is my shelter. I know in his hand is attention and affection. I know that if I can get to the master's hand, I've got safety. There's a safe shelter for my life and for my family. I know that if I can get to the master's hand, every good thing and every blessing I've ever had in my life is at the master's hand. And it all comes when the dog begins to stretch himself out to me and say, hey, hey, I'm here. Pay attention to me. Now, in this place, we have a choice to make today. It's not a deep and a profound word, but it is for us to hear. If you've never been to this house before, I want you to know that this is pretty average Sunday. People are usually screaming and bouncing off the walls. It's because they're going after God with everything that they've got. We can talk scripture. I'll show you scripture. We could read, if, if we threw Psalm 150 up on the screen right now, we could throw it up on the screen and begin to see how God tells us, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. But I speak to this church and I tell us, God has spoken such destiny and such promise over us. And I refuse to let one Sunday be like every other Sunday. I refuse to let one week be like every other week. Huh? But I purpose in my heart and in my mind that every moment and every opportunity that I have to step in to the presence of the Lord, uh, I'm going to go into his presence with everything that I have. Uh, let's all stand together today. I know there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of chaos going on. But I am absolutely convinced that God wants to move in this place today. If you're going through something in this house, it might be a secret battle that nobody knows about but you and God. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to step to the front of this church. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to tell me what the problem is, but I am going to ask you to take out that withered hand and hold it up towards the master and say, Master, 
I need you. I want to read one more portion of Scripture to this church, and then we're going to pray together. In Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 1, it says this, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing, and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. That's real encouraging. I'm supposed to sing even though my answer hasn't come. But then he goes on in verse 2. Enlarge the place of thy tent. And let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not. Lengthen thy cords. And strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand. And on the left And thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. I ask you and I ask this church together, how bad do you want it? Your deliverance, how bad do you want it? Will you allow yourself to face potential mockery and potential onlooking crowd to stretch forth that withered hand and say, God, here I am. This is the hurting. This is the broken. This is the ashaming part of myself, but I reach it towards you. Church, how hungry are we? How hungry are we for the fulfillment of every prophetic word that God has spoken over this church and over this land?